We all have bucket lists. As a lifelong sports fan, mine is full of tons of different sporting events and venues, from the NBA, NFL, Olympics, and beyond. However, my greatest bucket list item is something I want to share with the world and fans like me. What if you could attend a home college football game for all 130 and counting FBS programs? Seems crazy, right? Join me, your host, Bobby Wilson, as I take you along for the ride to see all the FBS venues and more. This is the TNT College Football Podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the very next episode of the TNT College Football Podcast. I'm your host, Bobby Wilson. Glad uh, to be back on again on another Monday night. Um, We're going to discuss a couple different things tonight. A lot of... uh, transfer situations going on um with the biggest name recently being uh Jaden Daniels going to LSU um LSU needed a new quarterback and he was obviously the best guy on the market and I'm a huge huge fan of his um but I'm also want to talk about a little bit of the 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 flux of different transfer quarterbacks in the SEC and what it's going to mean for everybody trying to knock off Alabama and Georgia and what that's going to look like. Um, I'll dive into my coach's corner segment with uh, tonight. I'm going to do Florida international university with their new coaching hire of Mike McIntyre and uh, just a couple other things. But uh, first I want to lead off, like I said, with Jaden Daniels uh, announcing that he is going to be going to LSU Um Brian Kelly getting uh, that big name quarterback that he that he was searching for and trying to get through this whole process um, and getting, in my opinion, uh, one of the best guys in the market. I know, like I've said before, I know a lot of people aren't as high on Jaden Daniels as I am, but I, I've seen him in person and he can <clears throat> he can make all the throws that you want from a quarterback. And his dual threat ability um, translates extremely well to the next level, in my opinion. Um, I, I I feel like he might have been held back a little bit at Arizona State because of um, whether it be the playbook or or uh, <clears throat> just other plays around him. Um, just I know there was some inconsistent play on his part, but I I think being around. Um, some amazing athletes at LSU and being around Brian Kelly is going to pay huge dividends for him. <clears throat> now, I, 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 as everybody knows, I am a huge fan of his, and it, it, it's going to pain me to root for him at LSU with Brian Kelly as the head coach. Um, but nonetheless, I, I think he's going into a really, really good situation there where he's going to be able to step in and do some really good things. And just taking a quick look at LSU schedule, I mean, they open up against Florida State in New Orleans on uh, on, a, on Monday night, on uh, Labor Day. So the, the, a huge, huge opportunity there for them to get a big win there. And I, and I think that they'll be able to – um, then they have three home games in a row after that against Southern Mississippi State and New Mexico. So I think they're sitting pretty well going into their first true road game. Uh, first time they leave the state of Louisiana, they go to Auburn. Um, then they're going to have Tennessee 
at Florida. They get Ole Miss. Then they get Alabama at home. They go to Arkansas, host UAB, and at Texas A&M. So you look at that schedule. They got to go to Auburn, to Florida, to Arkansas, and to Texas A&M. Just <clears throat> with the talent that you see every year at LSU and adding an impact player at quarterback like Jaden Daniels, I, I think nine or ten wins minimum is what you can expect from this LSU team. I, I think this LSU team has a very legitimate chance now to compete in the SEC West and to give Alabama everything that they can handle. Alabama coming into Death Valley to Baton Rouge um, for for that game, and I think LSU is going to be ready for that. I mean, <clears throat> when – when Brian Kelly was hired, I thought it might take a couple years, but now that they have that quarterback in play to make some noise, I, I, I think that I think they got a shot. They at least have a chance, and that's all you can ask for. So then that that gets me into uh, just kind of looking at some of the transfer quarterbacks in the SEC and just looking at some of the other teams as well that aren't going to have uh, transfer quarterbacks but have returners uh, nonetheless. But LSU does have Miles Brennan uh, returning, entered the portal but comes back. But he he's had an injury-plagued career, so you're just kind of – you don't know what to expect from him on his end. They got true freshman Walker Howard coming in. So, I mean, there, there, there's going to be a battle for Jaden Daniels. He's not just going to get handed the job. But I, he's too talented not to just – take care of business and and do what he needs to do there um, then then you look at some of the other contenders in the sec this is not alabama or georgia this is just some of the other contenders you look at kentucky kentucky brings back will levis who was a transfer from penn state but last year he had a very very productive season um for the wildcats and i think I think they, they have <clears throat> they at least have the quarterback piece that you need to compete in the SEC East, but I think they might take a little bit of step a little step back this year. Offensive line is losing some guys. They lose um, Wondell Robinson, the terrific wide receiver that they have, and so I mean they're losing some guys. But nonetheless, I mean you return a, a quarterback who has significant SEC experience. And had a very productive season, so they, you gotta you gotta give them a shot. Then, then the next team that you look at that doesn't this is another quarterback who was originally a transfer from Virginia Tech last year. Last year, um, Hendon Hooker at Tennessee had an unbelievable season last year, going for almost three thousand yards. He had thirty-one touchdowns, just three interceptions, which I think was the one thing coming in from Virginia Tech that people kind of questioned: could he? Could he uh, control uh, the turnovers and not turn the ball over as much? And he definitely did that. And that's part of the reason why Tennessee had so much success last season and why they're a trendy pick going into next season to make some noise. Um, but Hendon, Hendon Hooker has to be, in my opinion, the top returning quarterback in the SEC outside of Bryce Young. I mean, just – what he was able to do last year, and I know Stetson Bennett is back at Georgia, but <clears throat> from a production standpoint, you look at what Hendon Hooker did last year, 
and you just think, what could this lead to? Um, and and they, they, he's going to give Tennessee a shot, that's for sure. But n- now you look at some of the programs that are going to have transfers. You look at South Carolina, just uh, in a, an impressive year that they had last year to get to bowl eligibility and then to finish 7-6 and six and win the bowl game. Um, obviously, they're a trendy pick now with uh, the upside they have going. And then they add Spencer Rattler from Oklahoma, who <clears throat> we can all say what we want about the young man and his and being disgruntled and some of the issues that he's had. But you, you have to look at his production as well. And his he has produced at an elite level for his career. Almost 5,000 yards passing, 40 touchdowns. 70 percent completions i mean he is he's produced an elite level in like a year and a half worth of play now i think part of the issues that oklahoma dealt with um and i know i've been extremely hard on spencer rattler but i think some of the issues that he had dealt with some of the I'm going to just say, like, coaching concerns that were going on at Oklahoma. Like, Lincoln Riley, in that whole situation, you can't just tell me that that him bolting for USC just happened out of the blue. I mean, I know it seems that way, but there there had to be some stuff going on behind closed doors, and the players being around the program every day have to see that and know that. So looking at... Spencer Rattler and what he could do at South Carolina with the production that they bring back. He's adding um, Austin Stogner, his tight end from Oklahoma, along with some other pieces too. South Carolina could have a real chance, I'm not going to say to win the SEC East, but they're going to be a player in that. Then you look at Florida. Florida brings in Ohio State transfer Jack Miller at quarterback um obviously he wasn't going to get his going to get the time at Ohio State with with what they have coming back obviously um Ohio State's going to be unbelievable next year offensively so i mean he made the smart decision for himself to enter the portal and find a new home and go to a place like the University of Florida where he's going to play elite competition but also has a legit chance to play right away Florida does have Emory Jones um coming back um so so you're bringing back uh the guy who was your starter for most of the season but that florida offense was abysmal to say the least um so adding adding a guy who's more of a pro style quarterback and can do some things with that i I think it's definitely going to be jack miller's offense to run at the university of florida i and obviously the coaching hire is going to help them. And, and, and Florida will get back to what they've been, I feel, now with the coaching hire that they've made. But I think next year to expect Florida just to to go back to being Florida is, a, is a, going to be very difficult because there is a talent gap, surprisingly, with it being Florida. But there is a talent gap because Dan Mullen just stopped recruiting. I mean, it's – just call it what it is, and uh, but it's a good opportunity for Jack Miller to go in, play right away. Then you look at 
the next team up, Ole Miss. Obviously losing Matt Corral, arguably the best quarterback in college, the best senior quarterback in college football last year. And Ole Miss adds Jackson Dart from USC. He's obviously a former five-star. Just his ceiling is probably higher than anyone else on this list uh, just because of the tools that he has and what he can do at the position. Um, he is an elite, elite level quarterback, even more so than Spencer Rattler and even Bryce Young. Like he, he has more ability um, as a quarterback to do things than <clears throat> most guys in college. So I mean, it's it's obviously his job. I, I I would be shocked if if anyone even even will come close that's on the roster at Ole Miss to competing with him for the starting spot. But nonetheless, but he's going to give Ole Miss a shot. That's for sure. I mean, anytime you have an elite level player, now does that mean he's going to play to the elite level? Only time will tell. But. He's got that ability to do so. Then you look at Texas A&M. They added LSU transfer Max Johnson to their quarterback room. They lost a transfer. They lost their quarterback to Auburn. So, so it's just a it's it's a huge shuffle at quarterback. But Max Johnson is probably going to be the guy who who's going to get the call there. But that there's other guys that have an opportunity there. There's Haynes King, who he's going to battle with there. So, and, and then Connor Wigman. There's just so Texas A&M is going to have a battle for the quarterback position. But Max Johnson coming in from LSU, had 27 touchdowns and six interceptions last year. I, I, I think it's definitely his job to win. And LSU beat Texas A&M last year, so that's a big that's a big deal. Then, like like I mentioned with LSU, you're going to have Brennan versus Daniels for the battle there at the quarterback position, but I definitely think um, Jaden Daniels takes it. I mean, he, his ability as a quarterback, and then the fact that he's that he ran for 710 yards last year. I mean, just his athletic ability um, is second to none. Um, then you just look at Auburn. Auburn adding, they lose Bo Nix. So is this addition by subtraction? Um, losing Bo Nix um, – in my opinion, will help them because um, Bo Nix, in my opinion, was kind of in over his head there at Auburn. I mean, I know he wanted to be at Auburn. He's Auburn fan through and through, but it just didn't work out the way <clears throat> that it seemed it would. But so Auburn adds um, Zach Calzada from Texas A&M, and then they add uh, Robbie Ashford from Oregon. So they're adding two guys two transfers in. Uh, I think it's very apparent that Zach Calzada is going to be the guy there just because of his experience that he brings in from A&M and what he's done in the SEC already. But there, there will be a battle there. So does that mean any of these guys can compete with Alabama or Georgia? Um, <clears throat> now, Georgia loses a lot from that national championship team and, and I think that there are some teams with guys back that can really give them a run, like Kentucky, Tennessee, and South Carolina. 
I, I really believe that there's a there's a potential opportunity there for them to at least make a run at it. I mean, you can't put you can't put it past Florida either, but I think that's more of a stretch. But then in the SEC West, I, I think I think Alabama just has too much coming back for for it to really be a question in my opinion. But if Jackson Dart plays to the level that he can play at at Ole Miss, I wouldn't put it past that. Texas A&M also has a ton of talent. Can they finally break through and get to the college football playoff? I think there's that ability there. Um, LSU, I think adding, like I've said, adding Jaden Daniels, I think that that really, really helps. Does that take them to the next level? Only time will tell. That Auburn, I think that's a huge stretch. Um, Arkansas has a lot back in the West, so you got to kind of throw them in there too. But just a, it'll be interesting to see. But just something that I, as I'm looking at, uh, I was looking at all these transfers into the SEC, and it just got me thinking about some different things there, and just uh, that it that that it could lead to some pretty big competition for for uh, Alabama and Georgia. So so now I'm going to look at uh, something just released today, um, inter- interesting. Um, the University of Hawaii announcing that uh, they will be building a new football stadium. That allegedly they are going to start this process in 2023. Um, I, I think we all know the story the story behind Aloha Stadium and just how they let that stadium just like basically start to deteriorate and fall apart and just like it, it, it got really bad so I mean they, they released a couple pictures and uh, of what this is going to look like and it's going to be tremendous I mean one it's in Hawaii I mean I mean what's not to love there but just uh the concept for the stadium looks great and everything but I think one thing that you that uh that you got to worry about there with the University of Hawaii when it comes to them saying they're saying they're going to start building this stadium in 2023. Now, this is also the University of Hawaii that let Aloha Stadium deteriorate to the level that it got to, that the stadium was literally crumbling and falling apart while people are watching games. So, there there's that issue. Now, when will this? So then you look at it. When will this actually take place? And you look at this, the rest of the state, and there's a handful of other things that they've that they've been trying to build or different things that have been pushed off. Um, obviously, with the times, I'm sure COVID situations haven't helped that. I'm sure, but w- this is a program that. Then you look at the state of the program. Um, with with what happened this year with Todd Graham and that whole debacle that took place with the players having 19-plus transfers, guys leave the program, and then going to the state senate of, uh, of Hawaii to discuss just the how bad the program really is. Um, then Graham being 
him resigning, being let go, whatever it may be, um, being forced out, um, and Timmy Chang coming in um, as the former Hawaii legend. Um, you hope that he can return that program to the glory days of when he was there and Colt Brennan and some of the other guys that were a part of that. But you just look at it and just the whole how crazy this year has been, year plus for the University of Hawaii and the football program, and you just think how are, how are they going to take all of this and just get this stadium going? And, and it's what they need because right now the stadium that they're playing in is basically it's a high school stadium. So you're playing major Division One football in what's basically a high school football stadium. So, I mean, for, for them to recruit the guys that they want to get and get the players that they want to get for them to compete in the Mountain West, they obviously need to improve that. It needs to happen pretty quickly. So if they're smart, they will move this process quickly. But just from what we've seen in the past, I expect this to be delayed and take a while. Then the next thing I want to talk about, something interesting for the UConn, UConn fans of my partnership with Sidelines UConn, um, just... It was released. Now, this isn't football related, but I'm going to relate it to football. So, the U University of Yukon has had a, a, tran a transformation basketball season on the men's side this year, basically, where they are finally starting to get back to the national prominence that they have had for so many years. Um, a lot of people probably don't think about this. But since 1999, UConn's men have won four national titles. No other program in the country can say that. So they've won the most national titles since 1999. So this is a historic program. And they kind of fell on some hard times recently over the past handful of years and the Kevin Ollie debacle and some things. But Hurley has come in and really done some great things. And if you ask me with my basketball background and my opinion, um, as a as a lifelong basketball fan and former college coach, if you, it, the way I look at UConn this year is they have that that uh, that typical UConn team that has tremendous success year in year out, or that has had that success that's got them to the national title and won. They have a great senior point guard, which is what they've always had in those runs that they've made. They have elite front court play, uh, and they rebound the ball tremendously. And last I checked, they led the nation in blocks, which is something that they're also known for with those great teams as well. So <clears throat> things are changing. you got the Big East tournament coming up this week that UConn has a very legit chance to win. The NCAA tournament obviously coming up in a week or so. And today of all days – the University of Yukon Athletic Department um, decides to release to the season ticket holders the new pricing scale that they are going to have for the upcoming basketball season. And again, this they haven't won anything yet from the Big East tournament to the NCAA. They could lose in the first round at this point. But they tripled or quadrupled the season ticket price in some cases which 
to release that at this point when there's so much excitement around the Big East tournament and so much excitement around the NCAA tournament and so much excitement around the program and the type of season that they are having is just mind-blowing to me, and it's just terrible timing by them to do that. Um, if you go and win the national title, that's another thing. You can, raise, you can obviously raise the prices and whatnot. But just terrible, terrible timing by the university and the athletic department with this. But to get back to college football, Husky fans, instead of maybe pouring in your thousands and thousands of dollars to your fantastic men's basketball program and women's program, by the way, please, please, please give the women's program their due as well. Um, but pour in some of it to the football program. The football program is being revolutionized right now by Jim Mora. And I've talked about it at length on the show and what he's doing. And if you look at the Huskies upcoming schedule for the, for the 2022 season with some of the, with the, the home games that they have, if you get out and support them at the rent and Husky fans do their part, this team could really do some things. Four, five, six wins is not out of the question. Now, I, I really believe four wins is is going to be a great year. I think that would be a fantastic year. Coming out, coming from one win, they haven't beat a FBS team in however many years. It's been a long time. But just just looking at what they have coming up, this is an opportunity for the football program to possibly gain something out of this. Um, and, and I know that they had a huge, huge junior day this past weekend with a ton of guys on campus. And that was, that was the case at every program throughout the country. Just uh, having uh, juniors from the, from the upcoming high school class in for visits um, just uh, all over the country. But speaking for UConn in this example, I've seen I saw so many big time high school players on campus this week, this weekend. So it's a huge, huge opportunity for the University of UConn to try and get something done on that regard. So the last part of the show here, now I'm going to dive into my coach's corner segment. And like I said, this week it is uh, Florida International university fiu and they just hired mike mcintyre who if you don't know he was the head coach of san jose state university from 2010 to 2013 he took over a program that was an absolute dumpster fire if to put it nicely um, and he he took that program and turned them into what they've become now, where now they are a contender in the Mountain West and where they even won the Mountain West in the past handful of years. Um, and then he became the head coach of the University of Colorado from 2013 to 2018. And he had a fantastic season at the University of Colorado in 2016, where he was the national coach of the year um, for, for what they did there. And then things kind of fell apart at the end. So now he takes over at uh, at FIU, but his 
his rise through the coaching ranks. I mean, he played at Vanderbilt. He played at Georgia Tech. So this is this is someone who's obviously played at the highest level. Um, then has g- gone through a, a, a many different uh, assistant positions, defensive coordinator positions. He's coached in the NFL with the Cowboys and the New York Jets. He's been a defensive coordinator first at UT Martin in the 90s, then at Temple in the late 90s, then he was a defensive coordinator at Duke in the late late 2000s, which led to him getting the San Jose State job. Um, and then he from San Jose State, he parlayed that into Colorado, like I said. Then he became the defensive coordinator at Ole Miss. In this past two years, he's been the defensive coordinator at Memphis. So <clears throat> this is obviously... Obviously, somebody who has had success in the coaching profession, like I said, he was National Coach of the Year <clears throat> and at Colorado. They won the Pac-12 South that year. Um, but going back to his San Jose State time, um, he took over a one-win team in 2010. And by the time he left in 2012, they were 10-2. and <clears throat> And they got their first ever BCS ranking in their first bowl game then he then he goes to colorado um and has that fantastic season um but then he was fired and after the 2018 season when they started the year five and oh but then ended the year on a seven game losing streak so he comes in he's had some success albeit more so on the west coast so now now he takes over a program in FIU that, to put it, to put it, to, to call it what it is, has also just been terrible over the past handful of years, and and, and I think that that partially has to. I mean, Butch Davis was the coach last year, um, who has had success coaching everywhere he's been, including the NFL. So for him to not have success at FIU is head scratching it and it has to make you think of well what else is going on because this is a man who has won everywhere he has been including the Cleveland Browns he took him to the playoffs and won a playoff game so i mean this is this is a guy who's coached at the highest level and done things at the highest level but then he comes to FIU and doesn't have any success at all and of course there's been a lot of rumblings with the football program there with the lack of funding and there were there were even there was even a story that I've read that they had to buy their used shoulder pads from Mississippi State so players could have shoulder pads uh, just just uh, just a mess and like I said they're on an 11 game losing streak coming coming out of last year but you look at their upcoming schedule and their non-conference schedule, they host Bryant, then they're at Texas State, at New Mexico State, and then they host UConn. So you look at that and you say, okay, there there's a possibility then to get a couple wins potentially in the non-conference schedule. You would hope they would beat Bryant. Um, going to Texas State, um, you never know what you're going to get from Texas State. Uh, they can be... They can look good. They can look bad. I mean, that's really the state. That's really the state of that program. Then 
you look at New Mexico State. New Mexico State's also under a new head coach in Jerry Kill. Um, new Mexico State hasn't had success in the past in a while. So there's an opportunity there. And then I, also you look at them playing UConn. UConn with a new coach, haven't had success in a while. Now, obviously, UConn seems to be on the up. But you 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 look at the – there's a possibility there for some wins in the non-conference slate. But then you look at the – they're in Conference USA. So you, you know the issues going on there. They have released their schedule, and it – includes the teams from Conference USA that are no longer going to be in Conference USA. So their conference schedule at Western Kentucky, Florida Atlantic at Charlotte, Middle Tennessee at North Texas, but then their final three games listed on their schedule are against the three teams leaving for the Sun Belt in Southern Miss at Old Dominion and then Marshall. So you look at their schedule and you don't know what their schedule is going to end up being because we all know the state of Conference USA and what that's what that's looking like and who knows what's going to happen there. I mean at I I have said I have said this and I and the conference just needs to remove those three teams from the schedule and just build your schedule around the teams that you have and just roll with that. Instead of trying to fight fight the three schools, they're not going to be there. Conference USA has nothing in their bylaws to keep these teams. Um, so there, that is what it is. So you look at their schedule, and there's nothing you can really, uh, really say from the conference standpoint about who they're going to play, especially at the end of the season. So then you look at their recruiting um, of course, they're near the bottom nationally, but they're in the middle of the pack of Conference USA. Now, the previous year, they got third in the recruiting ranking. So, But this is also a program that has had some issues with transfer portal, with guys leaving. Uh, but, but you look at what they've got from guys coming in this year. They have a JUCO offensive lineman who is the number one interior offensive lineman in the JUCO ranks coming in from Independence Community College in Kansas, the made famous from Netflix, Last Chance U. But this is – so this is a guy who's coming in. He's the number one ranked player at his position from the JUCO ranks. So that is a huge, huge get for FIU to get somebody like that to come in. And then they got a lot of a lot of three-star guys coming in as well, so they're adding some very talented guys that are going to help um, and hopefully help turn things around. But then, then you look at uh, some of the transfers that they have coming in, and uh, of course they're going to have some of those Power Five guys coming in, um, uh, wide receiver from Indiana. Uh, Willie Reed at safety from Central Michigan, I think, is a big, big pickup because he was uh, he was an all-conference player in the MAC. So you get somebody like that to come in, that's a big deal. You got a tight end from Iowa coming in, a wide receiver from Syracuse, a cornerback from Syracuse, a defensive end from Syracuse, and then uh, FCS transfer from East Tennessee State. But the one the one I'm really interested to see is quarterback 
Gunnar Holmberg coming in from Duke. Um, this is this is a young man who wasn't able to to get get on the field at Duke, but he has an opportunity now at FIU to really do some things, and he had some really really uh, good offers coming out of high school. I mean, he had North Carolina, Wake Forest, NC State, South Carolina. Then he goes to Duke. Um, so this is a guy who's got a who's got talent, and then. Now he ends up at FIU. Obviously, I think he's going to have an opportunity to to get the starting spot there um, as a dual threat quarterback uh, entering that system. Um, I, th- I think he can really, really do some things. So it'll be it'll be interesting to see how that goes. I I, I also believe he had a stint at JMU as well so i mean this is so this could be his second stop from the portal ranks but just looking at the state of their recru- recruiting getting the number one ranked juco offensive lineman is a huge deal then getting a handful uh, a handful of in-state florida kids the three-star guys to stay home is a big deal and then adding some talented guys in the portal is is something that FIU should be able to do because they're in Miami. So you're you're in probably the number one or one of the top spots to land guys. And, and when you when you look at the NIL opportunities that these guys can have in Miami, obviously they're going to go the the bigger the bigger money is going to go to the guys that are at the University of Miami, but still, nonetheless, you have an opportunity to capitalize on that as well. And with Mike McIntyre having the success that he had at San Jose State taking over a program that only had one win, he's coming into the exact same situation here at FIU. And I think with the flux of Conference USA going on, I think there's an opportunity for him to step right in and really build this program quickly and and I think he can really do that especially now with the transfer portal being what it is I think there's a really really big opportunity for him and FIU to make a really big splash in Conference USA now that might not happen this year but I think even next year in the year after that year two and year three I think is when you could really see FIU make a jump especially with Conference USA changing the way that it is. I really think FIU has an opportunity to really become one of the top teams in the conference in the future. Obviously, they probably should be because they're the Florida team in the conference and the players that they can get to stay home and the players that they can get to come there. I think it's a big deal. I think they can really uh, utilize that, and I think they will. And they got a guy who's been there and done that at a similar type of situation when he was at San Jose State. Well, that's that's the end of the show tonight. Hope everybody enjoyed it. Uh, thank you so much again for listening. Please, please, please follow the podcast Twitter account at TNT College Foot One. Always put stuff out there daily. Um, love interacting with everybody. Again, thank everybody for tuning in. Have a good night. God bless.